You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Let's talk about relationships. What kind of relationships? Every kind of relationships. When, I know my brain does, maybe I'm like the minority, but I have a feeling that a lot of other people's minds go to that too. When If I was to say to you, I'm in a relationship. Yeah, I would automatically think, oh, so who are you dating now? Exactly. You're married, who are you dating, who's your next boo, or, you know, who's this new person? But the reality is that we have relationships with every single other person that we come into contact with. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to stop you right there, because I have a relationship with the earth, the ground, environment, like hiking in the woods, totally have a relationship with that. Absolutely. You have a relationship with your animals? Hell yeah. God, the universe? Yeah. You have a relationship with yourself. I was just going to say that. Get out of my head, lady. (laughs) Can't. Sorry. Embedded in there. (laughs) So that whole concept of relationship, we really have relationship with absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. And it's all a feedback and relay. But we always... Not always. I'm not going to say always, and I'm not going to speak for absolutely everybody. However, I've noticed people act different in different relationships. Absolutely. In different situations, different scenarios. Heck, you can be in a relationship with a person. You and I, we go out, right? Yep. We bring in somebody else. We bring Kayla. We go out to lunch. Automatically, our dynamic starts to change. Absolutely. The energy changes when anybody or anything is added or taken away from it. It definitely changes the dynamics. The same thing with intimacy. You talk about having intimacy in those relationships and that intimacy is totally changed when somebody else or something else is invited into it or taken away from it. So intimacy, I'm going to clarify for everybody because that's another word that people's heads automatically are going into a, like a specific direction. Intimacy. Exactly. Intimacy is those intimate conversations. Being vulnerable and opening up to somebody is a form of intimacy. But your head automatically goes in a different direction when you start talking about certain words or certain labels that are on things. But it's so much bigger. Maybe I think I'm just a pig. <laughs> when people receive. No, because I think most people's heads will automatically go to like the intimacy between a husband and a wife. But that's not necessarily the case. And I've noticed it a lot when I do photography. You find those intimate moments between mother and child. Oh, yes. I think back now of my new grandbaby, Phoenix, in the Christmas pictures where my husband dressed up like Santa Claus because we couldn't take her to see Santa at the mall because she's too baby. She's brand new. Yeah. And the picture of him holding her and her looking up at him and just that awe and love from both of them was an intimate was moment an intimate that you moment. were able to capture. And that's yes. one of my favorite pictures that you've taken of the two of them together. But it's that association. We automatically associate certain things with certain words and realizing we bring those with us to all of our relationships straight across the board and all of the engagements that we have with people, places, things, animals, whatever it is. So what are you intimate with? Oh. <sighs> 
hopefully myself. <laughs> That's been the toughest one. There goes my mind again. <laughs> um, I think that's been the toughest one is getting real with yourself and being vulnerable with yourself, seeing all of those different sides of yourself and legit bringing that to the table. But it, I think being intimate with anybody, there is a level of fear that comes along with that. So how do you bridge the fear? How did you get to the point where you could accept yourself and navigate through all of what we would consider ugliness? Oh, there really is a lot of ugliness, especially in the mental health region for internal dialogue. Um, It's one step at a time in the right direction. It was one belief system at a time. It was one time being willing to see something that I consider my shadow side, my lower thoughts conversations that you have with yourself that aren't positive or uplifting but on the negative side of things and doing it one by one and let's clarify that's an ongoing battle right oh you still have those thoughts it's not like you woke up one day and you were like yeah I'm cured oh gosh no definitely better and I know that I'm better because I feel better and I do better (laughs) and I look better (laughs) um laugh more happier so you know that you're moving in the right direction But you know as well as I do, you still wake up in the morning or sometimes afternoons or somebody triggers you throughout the day and there goes that internal dialogue. I should have done different. I should have, you know, controlled myself better. I should have gotten up 20 minutes earlier. And it's really catching yourself in those moments. Well, it goes right back to we've had a lot of discussions about both being moms and those thoughts. And, you know, I should have done this. I could have done that. Maybe my kids wouldn't need therapy. But... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. I think we all need it at some point in time in our life. Parents mess up. Therapist reward. Yep, it is. Um, But you're absolutely right, especially with our kids. Our relationships with our kids, I think, are one of the biggest things. And holding that space for them to be vulnerable in. Because I think as a mom, we take on all of their emotional stuff. We want to just make it better and let me take it away. Breathe on me and I'll take your sickness. Exactly. They hurt you? Hold on. How old are they? I'm going to cut them. (laughs) Right? Exactly. That's exactly it. That urge to defend, protect, um, soothe, all of that as a parent. And it's when you don't feel like you're a good parent or you're meeting all of those benchmarks, whether it's ones that you set, society sets, family sets, the internal dialogue gets even worse and it affects that relationship with your kids. You tend to pull back a little bit more or get angry a little bit more or get more defensive when something happens. So it really is that full circle that comes completely back around. And I think the most important relationships in our lives are the ones that you when people pop into your head and you constantly think of them or throughout the week, throughout the month, those are the relationships that are the closest to us. Oh, you're so close to me. <laughs> We're super close. And not just because you live like right down the street. <laughs> nope, because between the two of us, we end up blowing up each other's phone. Yes. Or crying on the way to work. Hey, you can't make me go. I don't want to do it. <laughs> yep. All of those day-to-day things. Um, But yeah, I think every relationship's different. And every 
how intimacy looks in each relationship is also different. You know, it's going to look different with your spouse than it is with your kids or with your best friend or, you know, people in your community. All right, there's one relationship I need to improve on myself. Just throwing it out there, especially because it's like the new year. I need to improve my relationship with food. <gasps> right? That's a big one. In my mindset, because I used to really love going to the gym and working out, and I was fit, and I was hot. Not anymore. Now I'm 40, <laughs> and it's sagging. And I just think I should go to the gym, and I'm like, or I should sit on the couch because I worked all day. Yeah. So I need to change that relationship and maybe go back into those old relationship patterns and be like, that's healthy. You should totally go back to that. Stop doing this. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right, though, because there's so many things that we have that relationship. And food is a big one, I think, for a lot of people. Sugar's the devil. <laughs> it, it taunts you. And then they line the stores, gro gas stations, grocery stores, everything. Like, don't forget your candy as <laughs> you're leaving. No, I'm a salt person, okay? I love salt. Salt over sugar. Like, give me a salt. Like, I could be a deer licking it. I'm okay with it. But... No, all of a sudden I'm drinking drinks that I'm like, this is healthy. I read the back and I'm like, why does it have 30 grams of sugar? Oh, right. Everything has sugar. It's I had, hidden. I had that conversation with my mom. She was determined that there was no sugar in milk. Nice. And I pulled her milk out of, the, out of the fridge and was like, hey, mom. And she looks, she goes, why is that in there? I get it, mom, but it is because you're absolutely right. They add sugar to absolutely everything. And I think one of the most mind-blowing pieces for me that I came across when I was doing a lot of research and looking up things on addiction and how the neuron pathways fire and just how your body is, they did a research study between sugar and cocaine. Yes, I've read that. Right? I was blown like, dude, away. I'm totally addicted. Yeah, I was blown away by the areas in the brain that lit up. Mm-hmm. Um, the same, same response. responses, the same type of addiction. Same detox. Same, yes, all of it. I was absolutely dumbfounded. And it's across the board in almost all of our food, mm -hmm. straight across. That was mind-blowing for me. Like to sit there, especially with my past and my history coming up, I was exposed to drugs when I was coming up. I had numerous people that would use certain things and modalities. And to watch those same areas and knowing the behaviors that go along and thinking well, i'm making that. better choices because i've never done those things or i don't do those things right and then you're like oh but my body's responding in the same way same because way. i'm eating these foods yeah and especially because you look at it and at first glance with marketing forget it you can't look at anything and be able to tell that's something that's good for me or not you have to flip it over you have to look at those ingredients and you even have when you're to. reading the ingredients some of them look like chinese i don't know any mandarin i'm sorry i have no idea what that <laughs> says or the big giant words where i'm in the aisle and i have to google <laughs> hey, <laughs> what a dictionary. Is and then it breaks it down to something simple like sugar <laughs> and you're like why did you need to use that word on there <laughs> and you could have made it, looks it very better easy and you don't know it's sugar yeah so yep. that could be something that's good for me. And it looks all fancy. <laughs> could be, yeah. It's not. Yeah. My first rule of thumb now when I actually look at the label is if I can read everything in it, for the most part, I'm good. As long as it's not like high, high contents of a lot of stuff. 
if I can actually read <laughs> and understand and comprehend what is in that that I am going to put into my body. I think that that was my first step. Oh, see, that bridges into the next relationship. I need a better relationship with my body. Because I, even if I stay yeah. away from sugars, I'm totally going to eat things I'm still allergic to because they taste good. Oh. And my body screams it's at me every time. I'm like, oh, that hurts. I need to go lay down. Yes. The mind-body connection and the mind-body relationship is huge. And I think most of us are, for the most part, at least you're in tune with it. You're like, okay, I know if I eat this, this is going to happen. I've talked to some people and they're like, oh my God, it just, same exact thing happens every time that they eat it, but they still haven't made that connection. Like they're in a total disbelief that they don't want to admit that to themselves because then they'd admit that they shouldn't be having this or that they can't have it. So they go into complete denial mode and say, nope, that's not. That's not no, I go, oh, this it. is going to happen, but it's okay because, you know, I grew out of the projectile vomiting that could hit the side <laughs> of the wall if I ate it. <laughs> Gotten better. Hey, those baby steps in the right direction. <laughs> I just crawl in the fetal position and hope to die. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and then that's when you regret it. That's when the regret yep. creeps in. And it's like that with multiple things. So if you take that whole analogy right there and you put it with your relationships with your best friend or with your husband or your kids. No, if I was with you and wanted to die, I wouldn't be friends with you anymore. (laughs) Well, thank goodness. (laughs) Hopefully you'd be listening to that. But I'm saying they repeat those patterns. Like they'll do. do something and then it causes a reaction and they don't like that reaction, but then they'll continue to do that in that relationship that will cause that same Definition exact reaction. of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting <laughs> different results. Right. I'm amazed <laughs> at how many people are insane. <laughs> Sometimes myself included in that all yep. day long. I always go back to my dream where I had a dream that I was sitting with Mother Mary and she's showing me the maze and all the people trying to navigate through the universe. And these people kept walking into walls. And I'm like, <laughs> why don't they just turn around and go to a different place? The door is right there. And they kept doing it. And she's like, because, you know, they're all trying to get to the same place, but they keep trying the same way to get there. And if they had just stepped back, reevaluated, and turned. And I think she was trying to tell me that I was off my path or something. I don't know. But I just yelled at her like, I didn't understand. And then she yelled back at me. But that's digress from, you know, the whole concept. But they were walking into walls. (laughs) They were insane. As most of us do, we repeat those same behaviors and those same patterns, expecting a different outcome or expecting them to change to meet that standard. And yet we're the ones that are still doing that same behaviors. So why do we do those things then? Why do we keep in relationships what we know are toxic for us because we think we can change them or save them in that savior complex? So why do we do that? Because I think from my opinion, I think it's a combination of two. I think it's dopamine hits when you do finally get that attention and you do get those moments. And then you hyper-focus on those because you want more of that feeling. And when it's not realistically sustainable, especially with those specific people that aren't willing to give it, we try harder and we pour more in. And then we stock it in the mindset of, we have so much time in. I've given so much to you to walk away now. And we start with that um, mindset of talking ourselves into And then on top of it, the savior complex. It makes you feel good thinking that you can fix someone else. (laughs) Especially 
from those people that can't even fix themselves. Come on, seriously, pump your brakes. Chances are. it's easier to put your attention in someone else on the other side than putting it in yourself. I know I've been guilty of that numerous times where I've spent so much time and effort into trying to show them the way. Yeah. And then I completely fall off my path and realize I've been drowning the entire time and their foot was on top of my head while I'm underwater. But I'm still being like, no, here's the life floating. (laughs) You're good. Yep. And I think that I've gotten to the point in my life where I gave up on those relationships. And sometimes I beat myself up of, oh, maybe I should still reach out. But then I'm like, nah, I really don't want. I didn't like how that felt. I didn't like anything about that. I like me more. So I'm like, sorry, if that's where you're meant to be, that's where you're meant to be. Yep. And I feel bad about that. Like, I'm a bad person because I don't want to help them anymore. No, absolutely not. It's actually one of the best things and most healthiest things that you can do for somebody is take that step back because it's enabling them. When they start taking advantage of they start doing those specific things and relying more on you, they become that victim mentality. They're giving their power away. They're expecting you to feel better and you to meet those needs, and then they're not doing it for themselves. So when you do take that step back and you create that space, it gives them the opportunity. And when you just stand there and go, my hand's still right here, even if it's two years later, my hand's still right here, but this is a hard boundary that I'm going to keep and I'm going to stand here. You have to raise up to meet me. Which is crazy because doing outreach work, it's always meet them where they, they're at. But I think it's meet them where they're at physically, not vibrationally. Yeah, don't drop down to that level. Yeah. And Just show them that I am present and this is where you can get to. Yeah, and don't try and fix it for them. Help them come up with ways that they can fix it and empower them opposed to, especially being a mom, you jump right in like, oh, I can help. I can do it. Oh, here, just this. Yep, you're good. Yeah, how many uh, <laughs> school projects have you done, Martha? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you earned that A. Yeah, <laughs> that crunch time right before you're dropping them off, and it just needs to quickly be finished. Um, but it's the same thing with, I think, all of our relationships. You stay there, and you set your boundaries, and you don't let them cross them, and then you keep your hand there. I'm super grateful that I handhold you all the time yes. and you handhold me, but that we can still have those space and those moments where, you know, you never expect me to fix you and yeah. I don't expect you to fix me. Sometimes yeah. we call and we complain. Absolutely. Or Hold space. We, yeah. Get it out. We're like, all right, it's verbal vomit and then it's gone. Yeah. Um, we share a lot of experiences. We jo- do a lot of joy, pain, and everyday life together. And I think that is the basis of a healthy relationship those intimate relationships those intimate (laughs) relationships (laughs) you're listening to warwick radio online the voice of warwick rhode island